Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Hey guys, welcome to episode 62 of A True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. So we are here for our spooky season episode of Scary Listener Stories or Creepy Hometown Legends. And we have a lot of submissions and we are so excited to share them with you guys. Yes, we are. We can't wait. We have a lot to share. So, But first, we want to just go over some housekeeping things. We really appreciate all the listener reviews. They've been amazing and they're just so great to read and we love them. And all the love we've been receiving over um like the wedding pictures has just been so great so again thanks guys for always making us feel really good and we're so happy that we get to bring you something that you love to listen to and if anyone's interested we actually right before we're recording this episode we just recorded a patreon episode for our five dollar and up listeners and it's a really good one one boy um in england in 2003 is talking to six different personalities on an internet chat room and the story involves craziness i can't even begin to explain how nuts this story is but it does end in the stabbing of a young boy and it's it was a really great story lots of twists and turns yeah john was pretty pretty shocked so if you're interested in becoming a patreon you can join us at patreon.com slash true crime couple and you'll get an episode once a month for one and two dollar donators and two episodes if you're five dollars and up. So we do really appreciate everyone who's donating to us and we'll have that episode up for you as soon as possible. John's going to edit this bad boy first. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a blast. Big editing day for John. <laughs> so like always, this episode is always our favorite because it allows us to interact so much with listeners. So any listener whose story we share, we are going to be sending you an Amazon gift card for being so generous and sharing your stories with us. Because sometimes it's not always easy because you're nervous about what people are going to say in response. But we got so many great stories. We did. And, you know, sometimes not everyone wants to share because either it's traumatic or it scares them or whatever. But we do appreciate it. So we can't wait to get into it. Yes. So the first few stories we have for you is from a listener named Kelsey, who actually submitted this story back in February because that's when she had heard the episode. And she also said she initially sent it to the Facebook group. But unfortunately, we're not on Facebook anymore because when I signed up for it, it was recommending like past students and colleagues. So we decided to delete that bad boy. There's only a special crew from my work that know I have the weirdest search history of all time. Okay, so let's get into Kelsey's story. So the first story I don't personally remember because I was just a toddler when this happened. But when I was little, I had a congenital hearing deficit. So I was born with 75% deficit in one ear and closer to 90% deficit in the other ear. So at this point, I spoke a few words, but also sign language. So one night in the middle of the night, I woke up my mom because I was screaming. She came into my room to check on me. When she turned on the light, I looked over to the corner of the room and said, no, no, 
and was signing no and stop, but there was nothing there. My mom thought it may have been a dream, but a few hours later, the same thing happened. I woke her up and was saying no, no, and signing the words no and stop at the same corner. This happened again and again for three nights and multiple times each night. My mom, being religious, asked our church priest to come and bless the house and the room, and it never happened again. My mom still gets freaked out when she tells this story. I mean, that would scare me. I mean, it's, I mean, people always say, and you know, I guess so-called experts, they say that like the kids kind of can see more than adults can. I got to tell you, I'm not looking forward to that at all. Yeah, I know. That is always super creepy. And kids, I feel like, are more prone to seeing ghosts because they haven't been predisposed to not see them. Like, they're just simply more open-minded to spiritual entities because they're not searching for an explanation or doing something like a rationalizing adult mind would do. They just kind of accept it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. But yeah, that whenever a kid is doing something like that, 10 times ter- more terrifying. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And multiple times um, for a couple of days in a row. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Yes. So the second story from Kelsey happened her freshman year of college at the College of Charleston, which is a really old school and haunted as hell, she says. <laughs> The dorm neighboring mine was known to be haunted because it used to be an orphanage. Oh, my God. What? Jesus. I already have a goosebumps. I don't know what my dorm was before it housed students, but the room I stayed in was haunted. We believed by the ghosts of two children. We had a large apartment. There was a living room, large kitchenette, and a long hallway with three bedrooms, three bathrooms, And there were six of us living there. In our living room, we had large windows. And we would leave the dorm and have all of our curtains closed. But when we got back, the curtains had all been opened. Sometimes our lamps would be off, but without anyone touching them, they would turn on. One night, my roommate got up in the middle of the night for a glass of water. And she felt something push her from behind, in between her shoulder blades hard enough that she almost fell over. Another night, one of the other girls was working on her laptop, but she had left her charger at her boyfriend's place, so her computer died. So she just closed it and started reading a book. But then her laptop, which was closed with a dead battery, started blasting music. Oh my god. (laughs) Another night, there was a fire alarm in the middle of the night, and the last roommate to get out of the dorm said she saw two children, a boy and a girl, jumping on the couch. What? I know. That's so scary. Okay. I got goosebumps, number one. Number two, I have to point (laughs) out three things. One. Okay. We're ready. Okay. The first thing is the description of the dorm room was very similar to where you were. Yes. When you went to college. Yeah, my senior year of college. That's the first takeaway. If I was like that freshman year, that would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. Second, you and I both know how it is to wake up in the middle of the night from from an alarm. Oh, it's terrifying. It literally scares the living shit out of you, to be honest. It's it's 
bad. Yeah, so you're already in a heightened state of, like, confusion. So to see that, I think I would just immediately pee my pants. Oh, yeah. Immediately. And I know I said I had three, but yeah. I think it was just two. Anyway. You were just really excited. I was just super excited. I don't <laughs> have a 13th to say. <laughs> you were excited. But God, anyway. So finally, there was one night that I was in the shower and my roommate was in bed. I left the hall light on and the hall and our bedroom was just separated with a thin curtain. So when I got out of the shower, my roommate was cowered in the corner of her bed and asked if I had gotten out of the shower and been the one turning the light on and off and tapping on the wall. Needless to say, it wasn't me. I've always wished I could find out who lived there after we all moved out to see if they had any similar experiences. Um, Kelsey, those stories are absolutely crazy. <laughs> I know. I love them. I love them both. Thank you for that. Yes. And it's, you know what? It's so interesting that to see those two kids jumping on the couch in the middle of the fire alarm, I think that it's kind of like a trickster like yeah. spirit. And then it seems like all the things that you talked about happening to you were like trick things. Like your curtains being opening, the lamps going on and off, lights flickering on and the off. The tapping on the wall. Yeah, and like the yeah. shoving. I like mean, yeah. it's a trickster kind of thing in that it, maybe it's the kids playing. The bottom line is this, as far as this story is concerned, even if, which I'm not discrediting, discrediting you at all, but let's just say even if that roommate didn't see anybody jumping on a couch, there's still so much within the story that you know that something's going on there. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Because, yeah. listen, for some, people are going to be like, oh, you know, they didn't see anything. I'm just saying. But I believe you. But even then, even if there's no nothing visual that you saw or the person saw, yeah. there's still too much happened there to try to be like, oh, nothing ever happened. Oh, I you know what I mean? agree. But also, like, so she brought up in her stories two really important things. First, kids always see ghosts and they're terrifying no matter what they say. And second, old college campuses are terrifying because i mean think about it they have it's like the perfect equation for ghosts history and hormones because you're always in like a state i mean maybe it was just me at college but i was always either you're either emotionally charged you're stressed out because of school and work or you know you're broke as hell or you're super drunk or but there's always something going on like emotionally I mean, six girls living in an apartment, it's going to be emotional. And then you have the whole history of it all. So, actually, so conjoining yeah. those two things is. Yeah. And actually, you know, Kelsey, now that I think about it, and now that Kaylee just said that, maybe that that's why things happened, uh, that, that, that it was very, like, potent because it's feeding off all that energy. Oh, yeah. The yeah. super ghost formula. Mm -hmm, yeah. So the next story we have is a local legend out of South Bend, Indiana, submitted by Elise. So here we go. My scary story is a hometown legend. It's the legend of Primrose Road. The stretch of road itself is haunting without the legends. From Auten to Adams Road, the high treetops create a canopy or tunnel for you to drive through. It's so thick that at night, the moonlight doesn't even shine through. It's located on the outskirts of my town in South Bend, Indiana. So it's quiet, 
and spooky by nature. There are many legends attached to this road, but the ones I've heard go as follows. If you choose to drive down the road at night, expect to be followed by a vehicle, either a dark green car or a black SUV. You won't be able to identify the driver and it may disappear without a trace. You aren't supposed to go any faster than 30 miles an hour or else your car will break down. On the other hand, you don't want to go any slower than 20 miles an hour or else your tires will be slashed. Oh my God, I hope everyone has cruise control. That's hard. Or lane assist. Well, lane assist has nothing to do with speed. It, you know what? Maybe it has to... No, go- um, you're just wrong. Okay. Okay. So either way, <laughs> you're walking the road. Screams are to be heard coming from the farmhouse that only some have ever seen. A lady in a nightgown might join you for your walk. If your car does make it through, don't expect to make it out without marks all over it. Pretty crazy story. Pretty crazy. So this is what I'm going to say. Um, and, and and just so you know, I, I, I'm just going to... Just go for it. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate, just a tiny bit. Okay. Just to maybe some of the non-believers maybe that are listening. Okay. So it's funny that you sent in this story because Kay and I, we live in an area where there's actually a similar legend. Um, and I believe it's Clinton Road. No, it is. So yeah, now Clinton Road. Road literally is exactly what you're explaining, where the canopies, the trees, the way, it, the, you know, it's very windy, twisty. Isolated. There's isolated. There's talks of trucks, a truck that follows you. Um, and it's just so funny because I think that. And the same thing. There's supposed to be like a druid castle in the yes, woods. Yes. There's a, instead of a lady in a nightgown, there's a kid. Yes. On if Dead you Man's flip a coin uh, or if you throw if, something. It, if you throw the coin in. He's supposed to throw it back at you. Right. So even though they sound a little different, I think the basis of the story is very the same. I think that it's just a legend out there that, you know, kind of intrigues like, you know, a lot of people to just drive down certain very isolated roads. Well, I think this is what it is. When you see or hear of an urban legend, it repeats itself, right? There are urban legends all over the place. So, there's a road in New Jersey, Clinton Road. There's a road in Indiana, Primrose Road. But there's probably roads in every other state. And I think what it speaks towards is the unknown and the unfamiliar. Because we're used to driving and having lights and having cell phone service. But on roads like this, surrounded by woods, so heavily surrounded by woods, it is isolating and it's terrifying. And I think that it speaks to a primitive fear of being a left alone in the woods, stranded. Because Primrose Road sounds very similar to Clinton Road in that. Now, Elise was great because she sent links to us. So, like, we saw pictures and stuff. And there's a part of the road that's really expensive because there's all these expensive houses. Same with Clinton Road. And then it gets, like... It's like you travel back into history. Yeah. Into the past. And that's so scary. But she also has sent a second part of the story, which is her own experience on the road. She says, I have driven down this road several times, each time creepier than the last. The first time I was with my older sister's friend and we had just gone to see the grudge too, on opening night 
Friday the 13th. So we must have been itching for a scare. Because we ended up at Primrose Road. With the windows down and the headlights off, we traveled down the road at a moderate 25 miles per hour. That's a cool, like, thing about the driving speed. Clinton Road doesn't have that, so that's kind of, like, really cool. Yeah, that is cool. And we heard noises. Because now I think you're on edge because you're like, I can't drive over a certain speed or under a certain speed. So, like, it adds to the, like, anxiety of it all. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they heard noises they had never heard before. Once while driving, it was with my sister, a black SUV seemed to appear behind us out of nowhere. Since we were going so slow, it whipped around us at an ungodly speed, and it had a blank license plate. We were also followed once by a green car that would stop behind us when we pulled aside to let them pass. It followed us not once, but twice back and forth on the road. That's scary. Oh, that is scary. You're trying to let, like, pass me. Because here's the thing, and this is what adds to the terror of these places. Same with haunted houses, same with so many things. Yes, it's an urban legend. Yes, people could just be, like, messing with you. But what if this one time it's not? What if it's real? What if a real killer or psychopath or, you know, is in that haunted house dressed up or is on that road? And and so then that way, the people that are driving think, oh, it's just someone messing with us. So, like, let's mess with them back. But yeah. it is someone with bad intentions. That's very possible. So it is scary. It is scary. It's always scary. Regardless, her story is scary. And it's it, it, it does it can put you on edge. I think the biggest thing with me with this story is that, you know, maybe there is something in the woods. Maybe there's history at Primrose Road that we have no idea about. Right. You know, so could there be something that makes it eerie there? Absolutely. So the story continues. These experiences were nothing when thinking about driving down it with my friends. Five of us in the car, all of us talking and driving well over 30 miles per hour. We couldn't hear or see any of the spookiness outside of the car. My friend kept trying to get our attention. And finally, at the end of the road, she told us she could hear knocking outside of her window the whole time we were driving. We stopped and turned off the car. It took less than a minute for the windows to fog up. It was the one who noticed the hand and what looked like knuckle prints outside of the window. So, like, they were prints from the outside of, like, knocking. From knocking. Yeah. Wow. If that didn't scare me away from this road, my last experience did. I walked it. Ah, no, never get out of the car. Oh, my God. I would not do that. <laughs> no. No, my no, no. My sister, friend, and I drove out there and parked the car. I've never gotten outside of Clinton Road. Like, I've never gotten out of the car. No, I would not. My friends did, like, when we were in high school, but I could never do it. But in high school, I will say... Side note, we were assholes because, okay, growing up in like a rural area, there's nothing to do. So when there's a legend in a surrounding town of a road where trucks follow you and all of your friends have trucks, kids, we were idiots. And this was like really dangerous. Okay, so sorry, mom, if you're listening to this one. You take the license plate off of your car and terrorize people. 
which is dangerous. And in retrospect, I apologize to anyone I've terrorized, but I was in the car. I was never driving. But kids do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Agreed. Okay. So she's walking the road. My sister, friends, and I drove out there and parked the car. My friends and I got out and started walking, you know, for fun. We didn't know what to expect. Halfway down the stretch of road, my eyes started to black out, as if I was going blind. His legs were being pulled on, but he caught himself before he fell. In the next instant, we saw headlights speeding up behind us. We ran to the side of the road, but it was my sister. She yelled for us to get in, and she really didn't have to say it twice. We jumped in, floored it out of there, and never looked back. The road sign in the picture I took that night is completely whited out. Wow. That's crazy. That's so scary. But I know what you mean. Like she said, she's went there five times. You, you're you so drawn to places like this because, you know, you want to know what happened. You want to experience it yourself. Definitely. Okay. Let's get back to the show. Okay. So the next story we have is from Anthony Q. He told us recalling these memories gave him the chills all over again and... Me too, Anthony. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) He starts, I've got a ghost story. This happened to me during the early months of 2010. Everything happening from January to April. I was attending SVA in New York City, second year. But dorming got expensive. So this semester, I was commuting from my parents' house in Westchester. Um, He says, background information, Westchester, Westchester County in New York, it's a little bit more suburby. So, yeah, we, we have a lot of friends in West. We have some friends in Westchester. Yes. So. And John grew up in Orange County. Yes, I did. So we are super familiar with the area. He said, well, my parents found an empty lot on a packed street. Incredibly rare for the area. It's very true. Very built up. A lot of houses. And never had a house on it and decided to build a house on the lot. So before 2008, there was never a house on that property. It's important since it's brand new and no one ever lived there. This was a harsh year and staying up doing homework till 4 a.m. wasn't uncommon. It all started on a random night in January. I was the only one awake and decided to go downstairs for a snack. The kitchen was pretty big, so we had two light switches, one for the front of the kitchen and the other for the back where the snacks were. That's my life goal. Two kitchen switches. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not asking for a lot. <laughs> well, I hit the front kitchen light and went all the way to the back and opened up the cabinet to realize it was too dark to see anything. I literally said out loud, ah, I hit the wrong light. I turned around towards the front of the kitchen. And as I was walking towards it, I kid you not, the other light turned on. The switch physically flipped from off to on so it's not just like the light went on it was a whole switch flip i stopped in my tracks and i remembered saying thank you out loud so okay that was weird but weird stuff happens not a huge deal a week later i was working in my dad's office i was a comics major so all i needed was a desk My dad had a lamp that would turn on using a pull-down string with a ball at the end. I usually listened to music while I drew, but this night was quiet. 
At one point, as I look up, the whole chain to the lamp was pulled down and then flailed back upwards from the force, except no one was there but me. I froze from, for what felt like five minutes. I was in such awe that I couldn't move. It was incredibly freaky. And then the next night came. When I sat down to work that night, I said something along the lines of, if you want to do that again, go ahead. Hours passed and I worked away. Nothing. Hour after hour. Until, yes, again, the whole chain was pulled down and flailed around from the force. The awe was different that time. I remember laughing. It was scary as hell, but cool and exciting. My friends and I experimented on the lamp after that, trying to see if there was anything wrong with it and trying to recreate what happened, but we were never able to get it to do quite what I had seen. My dad gave me the lamp when I moved out, and it's right next to me as I type this, actually, but nothing like that has ever happened again. Fortunately for you, he says, but unfortunate for me, this story gets much, much scarier. Sometime in January, after all of those events, the long, drawn-out horror would begin. Like I said before, working late wasn't uncommon, so most every night I would be in my bed until at least 1 a.m. The first night it happened, I was actually asleep, but what I heard was so loud, even with my window closed, that it startled me awake. I woke up groggy, confused. I didn't understand what I was hearing, so I went and opened my window and it was an unmistakable sound of a little girl crying, wailing. It was the sound of anguish. I tried looking out, as scared as I was, but it was pitch black. After about a minute, it stopped. Somehow I managed to fall asleep that night. The next night, when I finally got to see my family, I asked if they had heard it, but no one else did. My brother, whose room was right next to mine, didn't even hear it. It was super disturbing, but it happened and I moved on. Well, for about a week anyway, because it happened again. The same crying voice came back again and sent chills through my body. What I thought would never happen again came back again and again and again. It wasn't every night. Some weeks it would only happen once, but others it felt like almost every night. Sometime between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m., I would undoubtedly hear the cry from the little girl. What scared me terribly was that no one heard this, my family or my neighbors. I would try to record it and nothing. Mind you, all I had was a crappy computer mic. There were even a handful of times I was on my phone with a friend while it was happening and she wouldn't be able to hear it either. But one night in April, everything changed. On that night, I would hear the girls cry once more, but I wasn't the only one. I don't think I've ever heard anyone run that hard and that fast in my life. After the girls cry ended, my brother jolted out of his bed and started slamming on my door. He had heard the cry. But that once more was really only once more. I was redeemed. Someone else had finally heard it, what I had been hearing for months. But that was the last time I ever heard it. That was the last time anything weird ever happened in that house, actually. And I lived there for a few years after, and my parents still do. I've told a lot of people, and I've heard all different kinds of explanations. It was a fox. Oh, that sounds like 
a cat in distress. But every time I've been shown what they're talking about, it doesn't match up. Look, I can't say it was a ghost or a paranormal or anything like that. But what I can say, whatever it was I did hear, it was undoubtedly the sound of a young girl crying. Okay. So, Anthony, I think that, well, first of all, your story is amazing. And I and I really appreciate you, you know, bringing it to our attention because it's really good, you know. Two things. The first thing is, I don't know if you know, but they say that the lower Hudson Valley is one of the haunt, most haunted places in in America. Yeah. That's not even, like, I'm not making it up. It's true. You can look it yeah, up. Yeah, the history of that area is... Um, it's also funny because guess what? You and I both had experiences because when I lived in Orange County, um, we moved into a house that was used for a short while. It was built, used for a short while and never, um, used again. And we moved in and, uh, we had stuff that just never stopped happening. Um, and just like you, at first it was just me that was hearing things and I thought that I was going crazy. Um, and then finally my mom started hearing things. It's a long story. I won't get into it, but... I know exactly how you feel, and it is very haunted in that area, you know. Yeah, and also I feel like it must have been so relieving for someone else to hear it because after a while it would have felt like I was going crazy. So it must have felt so good when your brother finally heard the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the second thing is, you know, sometimes, you know, people – I feel like people are more sensitive – to maybe hearing something or experiencing something than others. It's true. Oh, so maybe you, you know, it was drawn, whatever it might have been, was drawn to you primarily, you know? And right. also, hey, you kind of have to think to yourself, why was that land not touched for forever? Until right, you decided exactly. to Until they, uh, you guys decided to build a house on it. Maybe there's more to that, you know, to it than what you know, you know? Right, and that would be really hard to find out too, so... Those were great stories. Yes. Great. Thanks, Anthony. All right. So the next story we have is from Dan in Oregon. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much for the story and all the support. Dan's always really great on Instagram. So the short story Dan sent us involves a Florida serial killer. Ooh. A year and a half after I graduated from the University of Florida, I was going to visit friends in Gainesville. It was the first game of our new football coach, Steve Spurrier. It was also go ahead, John. Do you have something to say? I know you. Want oh to. no, this is good. No, I, okay. I, nope. No, I know. It was just like football coach, so I felt like you had something. You oh, I know to who say. that is. Yeah. It was also eleven days after the fourth and fifth victims of Danny Rowling were found. I was staying with a friend who lived one complex north of where the last victim lived. At the time. No arrests had been made. My friends lived in a downstairs apartment facing the woods. That's where Rowling was in the woods. For some reason, only one person had a key to the place, so they would all leave the sliding glass door unlocked to get back in. Rowling gained access to all of his victims' houses through their open sliding glass doors. All were on the first floor. When Rowling eventually was arrested, I saw a map of where his campsite was, right in the woods by my friend's apartment, and its unlocked sliding glass door. 
See, that just goes to show that you just never know. You dodge death. You dodge death, dude. (laughs) Yeah, but you just never know. I mean, you just never know what can, you know, be out there waiting for you. Right, so you always lock your doors. Yeah, don't leave anything open, ever. Well, for those of you who don't know, Danny Rowling was the serial killer also known as the Gainesville Ripper, who murdered five people in a four-day time frame. And it seemed like you, Dan, or one of your friends could have easily have been the sixth victim. I mean, he, even though he was only convicted for the five, it's rumored that he actually killed eight people. And he also was known for mutilating his victims. Um, He would rape them, murder them, and pose them using mirrors in, like, sexual positions. And he also decapitated one of his victims. So, Pretty that was, brutal. That was a super close call. I feel like I would be unsettled for life. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that would make me never leave anything unlocked ever my no, entire no, life. No, no, never. Sliding glass doors is actually something that's scary, period. My sister, who lives in North Carolina, actually had a scary thing with a sliding glass door. She lives in Jacksonville, which is by, like, the Marine base because her husband's a Marine. And once, remember, when he was deployed, my sister said that somebody... She was in her house and someone was trying to open her sliding glass door, but she had the blocker in the door. Yeah. yeah. So she didn't lock her door, but she had the blocker and they couldn't get past the blocker and they just ran away. Yeah, it's crazy. That's that's really scary. Yeah. I mean, whether or not they're going in there to rob or kill you, it's still kind of scary and I wouldn't leave anything unlocked. Yeah. Ever. Okay. So let's take a break to hear from our second sponsor of the show. Okay, so this next story was submitted by a user who goes by the name of Veggie Life 1973 It's an all-time favorite kind of story for me because it involves a Ouija board. I think because I was never allowed to use them, I was obsessed with hearing about them. Once my cousins and I made like a fake one, totally not the same thing, nothing happened. But this story, real and scary. Back in the summer of 89... Me and my best friend, who lived just three houses down, always used to hang out. One day, he said his dog disappeared, and we looked for him for a whole week, putting up flyers in the neighborhood, putting an ad in the paper, offering a reward, the whole nine yards. One weekend, we had a sleepover at his house, in his grandpa's camper in his yard. We thought it was the coolest thing. We stayed up all night long, listening to music, watching movies, and it was about midnight, And this summer, we had been playing with a Ouija board for a few weeks. I told my friend, hey, let's ask it if it knows where your dog is. We were about 15 minutes in at this point, and we thought it was a great idea. So after about five minutes of trying to connect to the afterworld, we reached someone or something. And we asked it, is White Sox dead? It said no. Okay, is White Sox alive? It said yes. Okay, do you know where White Sox is? And all of a sudden, the oracle started pointing towards the road and slowly started moving closer to my friend's yard, like it was following something. At first, we didn't know what it was doing. At the same time, we both pulled the curtain back on the window and looked outside. And to our disbelief, there was our friend's dog walking into his yard 
From this day forward, I can't explain it. But I'm definitely a believer in the paranormal. That's insane. That is insane. I actually, I got to tell you, I just got chills all over my body from just hearing that. That's a really good story, oh, yeah. right? Ouija boards scare the shit out of me, and I would never do it. I but, know, but yeah. you expected like a ghost to be there, like trying to trick oh, them, but it was oh a dog. God. How did it know? How did it know? That is a crazy story. It is, right? And it's one that like isn't really usually associated with Ouija boards. Usually it's like, oh, it let something in, and then creepy stuff started happening. But wow. That maybe, was a good one. Maybe it was helpful this time. Yeah, maybe. Finally, <laughs> it was a good spirit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next few stories we have are from Amanda in Wisconsin. When I was a child growing up in a middle-class home in La Crosse, Wisconsin, we had several instances of spirit activity in our home. My mom would be in the basement doing laundry, and the dog would be with her. The dog would stare up at an area where the wall met the ceiling and start growling. At times during the night, we would hear footsteps going up and down the stairs to where my room was, despite all of us being in the same room together. Once I moved out, I was living with a roommate in a two-bedroom house in an older part of the city. I was home alone one day, just cleaning up around the house, when I went to put some laundry away in my bedroom closet. Out of habit, when I shut the door, I pulled on the doorknob to make sure the door was shut. It didn't open. I turned around to leave the room and was suddenly hit in the back by the closet door. I turned around and the door was now wide open. I immediately closed it again and left the room. On another day, I noticed one of my votive candle holders had fallen off of a shelf and was lying on my bed below. I put the candle holder back on the shelf and pushed it all the way back to the wall to make sure it wasn't on the edge. We had train tracks within a couple of miles of the house, and I thought maybe the vibrations caused it to move off the shelf. I left the room and came back 20 minutes later, and the candle holder was again on my bed. No trains had been in the area within that time, and the shelf was also level, so it didn't slide off on its own. I decided to name my new invisible friend, Fred. Where this name came from, I have no idea. I don't know if Fred is even a male or an angel or a spirit or someone who passed, or if it's a child or adult. But Fred likes to play pranks and move things, turn lights on and off. I was lying in bed in my new house in Sparta, Wisconsin, one night with my boyfriend and his dog downstairs in the living room. The bedroom door was shut completely to where you would have to turn the handle to open the door. And all of a sudden, the handle turned, and the door opened about six inches. I waited for my boyfriend to come through the door, but he never did. I called out, did you need something? And didn't get a response. I got out of bed and walked over to the door, and yelled to my boyfriend downstairs, asking if he needed something. He said, no, why? I told him that he had just come upstairs and, and opened the door and didn't say anything. He told me that he hadn't come upstairs and the dog was downstairs too. While this was unsettling, it was far from the scariest moment I had. My boyfriend and I went to bed early one night as he had to be up at 4 a.m. to go to work. I remained in bed trying to fall back asleep once his alarm went off. He got dressed, got his things, and went downstairs closing the bedroom door behind him. Shortly after, I heard the car start and pull out of the driveway. 
Within a few minutes, I heard the bedroom door open and shut. I heard what I thought was my boyfriend walking past the foot of the bed to the closet and then back towards the door again. I saw a tall, dark figure out of the corner of my eye. Then I heard him pacing back and forth. At this point, it made no sense that it was my boyfriend, and the kids were all sleeping on the other side of the second floor. A feeling of dread and fear took over me. It was at that point I felt pressure on the bed down at my feet, as if someone was pushing down with their hands at the foot of the bed. I jumped up and turned on the nightstand lamp, and there was nothing there. I slept with the lamp on for the rest of the morning. My last incident happened at a hotel in Janesville, Wisconsin. I was away for training for work for one night, and I stayed at the Town Place Suites in Janesville, which, according to the website, was just built in 2018. I checked in and went up to my room, which was a nice suite, with a separate bedroom from the living room and kitchenette area. I went to bed around 9 p.m. It was raining outside. I shut the bedroom door and turned off the lamp and crawled under the covers. Within just a couple of minutes, a bright light flashed on. I thought someone was in my room. I jumped out of bed and opened the door, and the rest of the room was dark. The light was coming from the closet. It was a motion sensor light in the closet that kept turning itself on. Throughout the entire night, this light would come on by itself. There was no stomping upstairs that would have caused anything in there to shake or vibrate to activate the light, and I hadn't put anything in there that would move on its own. I didn't sleep at all that night. I told the front desk in the morning and got looks like I was absolutely nuts. I mean, those stories are crazy. I mean, I have to say, I mean, it does sound like something's kind of following you. Yeah. I hope that doesn't scare you when we say that, but yeah. I mean, that's what it would, that's what it would seem like yeah. from an outside perspective. That is super creepy. That is always kind of like the scariest thing when people say that about the spirit world is like, does it matter where you are? Because sometimes it's following the living beings and not just the house. Yeah. Okay, so the next story we have is from Ellie. And this is an interesting one as it seems she also has an entity following her for a really long time. So she said, there is a year or so where a span of events happened in my life after she was done with basic combat training for the army. And it began in June of 2013. The girl whose bunk was directly next to me was a Wiccan. We got along really well. She was super nice and adorable. One day I had woken up to her staring at me, mumbling things under her breath. So naturally I asked her, what's up? She continued for three or four seconds and then stopped and said, well, I'm praying a spell of protection over you. So naturally, as a Christian, I responded with a nervous laugh and said, my God's got me, but thank you. This was right after I had found my faith in God, too. In the barracks, I would hear noises like walking at the other end of the room. Keep in mind, you're not allowed to be out of bed unless you were on watch for that period of time. A cabinet had been completely emptied in the middle of the night and no one had heard this. And what would be obvious loud crashing sounds was completely silent. So she says she's pretty sure that 
this girl had accidentally called a spirit on her life. So the first event, fast forward. I'm home now and I slept in the basement of my parents' house. It always felt like someone was watching you, keeping you constantly uneasy. My dog, Patty, who was the kindest, most loyal dog that never growled, would sleep with me every night. This led to one night of her turning, looking at me. Her eyes slowly crept directly above my head and broke out into a full snarl and a warning growl that made my skin crawl. Just as random as that happened, she stopped and went back to bed, panting happily. That's weird. Yeah, dogs always sense things, I feel like. Yeah, it's also scary, too. Like, when you see the dog, you know, when you see a dog do that, like, let's say it's not directed in front of you, but, like, somewhere else, that's scary enough. But to have the dog react to something either at your level or above you or to the right or left of you, that's scary as hell. Because that means something's near you. I agree. That would scare the shit out of me. So she says, I have two older sisters. Shout out to Amanda and Alyssa, who also listen to the show. Thanks, guys. Which all of us are extremely close. My sister Alyssa had been dating her now husband, Matt, for a month or so now. I had not been home, and it was just the two of them. They were in the family room. In this room, you can see the stairs that go down into the basement. Watching TV, when Matt turned and asked Alyssa, who's home? Obviously, because he doesn't know the whole family yet, he didn't know who to expect to see in our house. Alyssa responded, no one, why? It turns out that he had seen a man stop and look at him and then go down into the basement, which is my room. Crazy. What? That's scary. Um, I would have been out of there so fast. Yeah. I don't think I would have kept I, watching that movie. No way. The movie would have been a mystery to me. Yep. A blur. <laughs> so a year goes by now, and she's in college with seven other girls, and things start happening more frequently. She would always lock her door when leaving for the weekend. And this specific time, I distinctly remember locking it because one of the girls liked to steal things. It wasn't an hour later when my friend called me frantically. She had seen my bedroom door open slowly, and when it had opened completely, there was a shadowy figure standing in the middle of her room. She said she had felt him glaring right at her. I remember her exact words. Hey, Ellie, just so you know, there's something that had been following you, and whatever it is will probably be here when you get back. She went on to tell me that she had seen it before. The night before, it was just the two of us home, and we were talking and had been playing with her puppy. I had said I was leaving and left shortly after that. She went on to tell me that when I left, she thought I had returned. She heard shuffling and said that there was someone standing right where I had been watching her playing with her dog. When she asked me a question and didn't get a response, she turned around and no one was there. So she like saw, like felt someone there and thought she was still there. So turned to ask her. But there was no one there. Yeah. Yeah. She goes on to say, I experienced a lot of pain and sadness in that house from other events happening in my life. Whatever was following me was feeding off of that. I would hear noises in that room anytime I walked around at night. I felt like there was always someone standing behind me. My room would be clean, yet 
it would sound like someone was crumpling paper or it would be deathly quiet. At this point, I had gone on a trip and ended up getting baptized. Um, The night I had returned from the baptism trip was when I finally saw what had been following me. I was in the spare bedroom right next to my parents. I remember waking up to someone in the room with me. When I turned over, standing by my bed was a man, a tall, beautiful man, with skin as white as snow. He was muscular and had thick black curly hair. I remember feeling this intense fear, hatred for this being. And then she goes on to say that angel, demons were angels once, right? So like meaning that like this thing looked beautiful, but obviously it was evil. That's when I scanned upwards and I got to his eyes. But instead of being human eyes, they were big and solid black like marbles, just like in the movies, except it was real. He smiled in a very sinister way. It made me feel like a mouse between his paws, like like he was messing with her. And he started slowly rising off the ground. I remember screaming, F no, F no. And I knew you were supposed to expel demons in the name of Jesus Christ, but I literally choked. I couldn't get the words out. As I heard my mom yelling back, Ellie, what's wrong? Ellie, he got higher and higher, letting me know that I was really awake. I shut my eyes, and when I reopened them, he was gone. At this point, I was constantly praying everywhere I went, as was my mom for me. My mom is very Christian and quick to believe me when stuff was happening. I began seeing two children in my dreams, and it was dreams where I felt like I was wide awake. The girl and boy would giggle and whisper, turn around, Ellie, turn around, to which I would begin praying and try to fall back asleep. I never dared to turn around because behind me always felt like something sinister was waiting. I remember at one point praying, God, please shine your light on me. Fill this room. I don't remember falling asleep, but the next day I told my mom and she responded with no way. Last night I woke up in the middle of the night out of nowhere and felt like I was woken by God because someone needed prayer. After this, things in my family began to heal and wind down. And that's when I stopped hearing things, stopped feeling followed in my house. My roommates never saw a shadowy figure again. But three years later, after both of my sisters were married, I had moved into my sister's old room. We had moved all the toys into the basement. And I'm playing with my two-year-old nephew. And he stops, takes the pillow, and starts swatting towards the closet, yelling, shoo, shoo. So naturally, I'm like, nope. And I grab him and go upstairs. An hour later... My other sister is playing with him downstairs and Snapchatting him when all of a sudden his whole demeanor changes. He goes from happy and hugging her to saying, no, I don't like it. Like something was down the basement with them. I think that's pretty interesting. I actually want to go back like way, way to the beginning. Because what if that girl that you shared the barracks with really was putting a protection spell on you because she sensed something following you that's possible versus being the one who started it you know what i mean yeah i mean that's that's possible i mean she's and i'll tell you the truth i'll I'll be the first one to say it um you know i don't blame you for (laughs) saying fuck no 
um, instead of uh, trying to pray or ask for <laughs> guidance or you know some type of prayer. I mean, I mean, I think that would be normal for most people because oh, yeah, you're they're terrified. so scared, you're terrified. So, um, I, I understand. I understand where you come from. Yeah, those are some pretty crazy experiences. So we appreciate you sharing them with us. All right, so we're going to take a break to hear from our final sponsor. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So the next few stories we have for you come from a couple, Daisy Lynn and Matt, who are amazing listeners and super sweet. So here are their stories. The first one is called Stuck in Bed. This strange case of sleep paralysis happened to me when I was 15 years old. After spending the afternoon at a neighbor's house, my family had gone to bed by the time I got home. I crept silently through the hall, then into the room that my younger sister and I share. The lights were off, so I made my way around to the bed in the dark, making sure I don't wake her. Settling in my bed, laying with my stomach down under my covers, my mind dozed off. Suddenly there was a pressure of a body on my back. This didn't surprise me at first, because my sister liked to come to sleep with me when she had nightmares so I figured it was her laying down on top of me. Pinned down, feeling almost out of breath from the heavy weight on me, I told her to get off. I asked again, Nat? And at this point, I didn't have a good feeling about what was going on. In one swift motion, I lifted myself up, and the feeling just dropped off of me. My heart sank to my stomach, and I ran to my mom when I realized... My sister was not next to me. My mother expressed to me that she was at a sleepover and had left hours ago. I was so afraid of this happening again. Seven years later, it has never been explained. However, I still avoid laying on my belly when I'm going to sleep. You never know what's waiting. And it's a vulnerable time when your back is turned. Even worse, you don't know what it'll do. That's really scary. I agree. The only thing that I'll disagree with is that I feel like if I was going through sleep paralysis, which I I will admit has happened to me once, and it was the scariest thing of my life, but I was on my stomach as well. But I feel like I would not want – I would want to be on my stomach and not on my back because if there was something actually there or something was happening, I wouldn't want to see it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Is it scarier to see it or not see it? Well, like, I mean, if something's happening and I'm on my stomach, I mean, that kind of sucks, but it's better than actually seeing it, in my opinion. I would rather hear it and feel it than see it. That's really true. Some of the scariest sleep paralysis stories are ones where um, people always see, like, the same, like, small man. That's what they say. Scary. Don't like it. Yeah. Sleep paralysis is, is actually terrifying. Okay, so the next story they shared, um, Nevada Skinwalker. So both of them travel for work um, driving trucks. And this is from the perspective of Daisy's boyfriend, Matt. My girlfriend and I travel for work driving trucks. She enjoyed the late night passings through the vast Nevada desert. But I've always preferred the coastal beach view. Something about the dry, hellish terrain seemingly never-ending highway makes my mind feel unsettled this particular night in december i had started feeling drowsy so i let her drive i must have dozed off for about 15 minutes before hearing a disturbing thud accompanied by screeching 
and I felt the sudden jolt of brakes being hit. I just fucking hit someone, she said in a panic, without fully comprehending what she said due to shock. I decided to step out and see what was going on. Burgundy red blood stained the pavement. Concluding that she had hit a deer that ran off, I went back inside. Still in hysterics, insisting that she hit a woman who was walking the highway, I thought it was a joke. Grabbing a flashlight, I illuminated the bushes around us. She pointed behind me with her eyes wide, expressing horrified emotion. She seemed to be trying to say something, but no sound came out of her mouth. I directed the light towards the black night and caught a glimpse of a towering slender figure. This irregular humanoid stared at us menacingly, stared at us menacingly with its black eyes. Then even more disturbingly, cracked an evil grin. I instantly felt dread and a desperation to get as far away as I could from that unnatural thing. While driving away, we never once looked back. Our decision was never to share this story to friends or family because they wouldn't believe us and thought we would have gone crazy. After recently hearing similar stories to what we experienced, we found ourselves questioning what is really out there in the desert. You know, I gotta say, I'm in the same boat as you. I really feel the same way as you, where you don't know what's out there. There's still so much left, in my opinion, in this world to learn and explore. You just don't know what's out there. You really don't. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I also... Um, think this legend is actually pretty interesting, the Skinwalker legend, because it has Native American origins, and that is the oldest legends that we have in this country. Like, we have no clue or comprehension of the legends and the stories that existed before, and I think that sometimes those Native American legends or scares are, are terrifying. My belief is... Well, if anybody's curious, my belief is that <laughs> when it comes, especially when it comes to like, um, like the Native Americans, right, or just any, you know anything for that matter, any kind of culture that has legends like this, there is always some form of base truth within all of those tales. Legends, right? Right. I mean, because no one, you can't just sit there and say, oh. They did this to explain things they didn't understand, or they did this to scare their young folk, or. I mean, I know what you're saying. You know what I'm the saying? Legends have basis. There, there is some truth in everything that is put out there. Yeah, especially from a group of individuals who knew this country and this land better than any other settlers yes. later on. Yes. That's why, to me, when it comes to Native American folklore, tales, whatever you want to call so them. So interesting. Super interesting. Yes. So um, what's interesting also about the skinwalkers and pretty terrifying is that they're supposed to be able to morph, you know, from animal to human, but they can also like mimic, mimic faces and voices. So scary. Super scary. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I I wouldn't want to be caught deep out in the desert. Not going to lie. Okay. So we have a final tale for you from Alicia. And Alicia and her husband listen all the time, and they're really so great. Love talking to them. So here is this story. I've got a true scary story that happened to me a few years ago. So it was a Sunday night, 
and my son had several friends sleep over the night before. We had a big house, and my son and my daughter's bedroom were both upstairs. I never really ventured up there because I was always scared of what I would find. Plus, I'd always get super pissed because of the messes I'd always find. Teenagers are not the cleanest creatures on the planet. Completely agree. Just from the way they leave my classroom, I can't imagine at home. Anyway, everyone was gone from the house on Sunday night, except me. And I had just gone through cleaning up the kitchen, so I sat down to watch TV. I kept hearing noises, but living in a big house, that tends to happen. Only these noises were coming a lot more frequently than the regular house noises. I feel like you, when you live in a house, you can completely identify what normally happens in the house versus unusual sounds. I agree with that 100%. Living in a big house, like I did growing up, 100%. Right. So I kept hearing a thud, like something was falling on the floor above me. I rationalized myself into believing I was making more out of it than I really was. So I settled back down to watch more of Investigation Discovery Channel, our favorite, and all of a sudden I hear someone running across the floor upstairs, coming down the stairs my way. This time there was no denying it. I almost peed myself. I was so scared. And I ran out of my house barefoot, grabbed my keys and my phone and jumped in the car. As I started my car, and was backing out of the driveway, I looked up at my house, and in the upstairs window, there was a guy standing in the window watching me pull out. When he saw me look, he lifted his hand really slow and kind of waved at me. I was crying at this point. I called 911 and told them someone was in my house. I didn't dare go anywhere near my house until the cops were there. I called my husband at work, and he dropped everything and left to come to make sure I was okay. After this, I called my son. He was just as freaked out as me. I finally pulled back up at my house. I knew the cops had had time to search and find him if he was still there. He was still there. What? Apparently, he was an acquaintance of my son who had been to our house a few times in the past. I had never seen him, though. He told the cops he needed somewhere to crash because he and his parents had gotten into it, and he didn't think my son would care. First of all, it's not my son's house, and even if it was, he wouldn't have let that go down. At the time, her son was 19, and the friend was actually 22 years old. So evidently, he snuck through my back door while I was in another part of the house. The cops said he was high as a kite and out of his mind. The next thing they told me scared the hell out of me. He had a knife tucked in the back of his pants. They asked him repeatedly if he had any weapons, and he told them no every time. But obviously when they searched him, they found it. He also had a bag of my son's stuff packed up, probably going to try and make his getaway before the cops got there. The cops also told me he was acting very aggressively. I don't know what would have happened to me if I hadn't run and gotten to my car. He was running towards me. I know he was, because his footsteps were getting louder and louder, and I could tell he was coming towards the stairs. The cops ended up taking him away with a ton of charges, and I had to go to court over this constantly. He stayed in jail well over a year, 
over this and then was sentenced to long-term rehab. But to this day, when I think about pulling out of my driveway, looking up and seeing him in the window, it still scares the hell out of me. Um, I got to tell you, that was an amazing story. Yeah. Like, I am genuinely, I, I have goosebumps all over because... That's terrifying. When you think something might be ghostly and then turns out to be something extremely real. Yes. That's even worse. That's like the story we covered with Daniel LaPlante. Yes, it is actually. It's like yeah. eerily, creepily scary. It's, it is insane. And you do wonder to yourself, what could have happened if you didn't run out and i gotta give he you i have knife. to give you credit like that was like extremely smart and fast thinking on your part yeah i'm just getting the hell out of there that's, and that's the impressive. best thing to do is to just be like let me get the hell out of here let me like save myself that self-preservation like is always the smartest thing to do because sometimes you second guess your intuition and it's good yeah. that you didn't it's good that you just like ran out of there that's terrifying and then the balls of this of this gentleman to wave. To, uh, wave. Wait, it is. It's giving me the chills. That's terrifying. And I think it's normal that every time you look up at a window that you would see that. that. You would see that because you know what? To be completely honest with you, that's traumatizing. It's PTSD. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, that story! I was like, this has to be the last story. Also, I have to give credit to your husband because some people would not drop what they're doing and leave work that's to come true. and see. It's so true. Um, so props to uh, you know, kudos to you. And, would you and, come home? I would come home, yes. Oh, I would come home. I will admit, though, if I was still working my old job, that would have been really difficult to do, but I, I would have done it. <laughs> All right, guys. That is the end of our third annual Scary Listener Story episode. Can you believe it's our third one? This one, I I mean, not to kind of uh downplay the others others but i think this might be the best one to date yeah because we're getting all these amazing submissions yeah, and it, yep. guys whose stories we used i'll be emailing you telling you we're using the stories and also giving you the amazon gift cards so we really appreciate you sharing your stories with us and just for the people who might have missed out on the opportunity to submit um or if, if you know if you thought oh you know what i should have if you want just email us let us know and maybe we can do like maybe like a part two or, or like what I always do is like like the first story. I'll just use it for next year's. Yeah, we could do that as well. That way um, you don't miss out, you know, on sharing and uh, we continually have like a nice little flow of stories. Yeah, it's really nice. So we thank you guys again for sharing your stories and we are going to see you again in two weeks. Again, remember to subscribe to the podcast if you like us and Please leave us a good review. Good reviews are always better than bad ones. That's true. <laughs> also, um, I don't mean to put K on a spot, but come on, you got to tell us what's your favorite. Give me, give me two. Give me two. Oh, the oh my two favorite yeah. stories yeah. just now. Mm-hmm. I really like the last one. That okay. was terrifying. I like them all because obviously, like I'm the one who picked them to put them in. That is true. But the last one was absolutely terrifying, and the Ouija board one was crazy. I would have to say the last one, and I want to say, oh my gosh, I already forget your name. I apologize. It was the one with um, when she woke up and the person was at the foot of her bed with the dark eyes. Oh yes, yes, mm-hmm. that one was scary. That was good. That was really good. Yeah, just the whole thing. The whole thing was yeah. is a crazy. Story. So both of those were good. I, I I truly liked them all, but I think those were my two favorite. Yeah, I, the one though about when her husband goes to work and then 
she hears someone come back that's scary because I always think that's gonna happen with you because you leave at like five so like in the summer when I'm off it's really hard for me to go back to bed yeah I can understand that because I feel like someone's gonna come in the well house. anytime I'm, I'm sick and you leave for work I actually feel the same way Aww. so it's kind of it's funny but all right I'm sure you'll be okay John don't absolutely worry too much. no <laughs> and again if you want to hear our amazing patreon episodes you can go to patreon.com slash true crime couple that last one we just released was super crazy and i really recommend you go listen to that one i agree all right guys thanks for everything bye guys bye